Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord when it's convenient. Again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord when all of life is going exactly how you planned. And again, I say, be circumstantially full of joy. Oh, good thing I don't translate the Bible. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. So Paul is coming to the conclusion of his letter to the church at Philippi. And from prison, he is talking about, continuing to talk about, because if you were here last week, it was all about joy in chapter 3. And guess what? It's still all about joy from prison. <laughs> And I just love the humanity of that. Paul is not a superhero any more than, than you or I. He, is not, he, is not, he does not have access to things that you don't have access to. It's just Jesus who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I love reading the Bible, especially heroic type passages and remember, they're just humans. They are not here for you to look at and be like, wow, these are like the Avengers that are just so cool. No, it's the same Jesus in them that's available to us. They are heroic. They are incredible. These testimonies are ridiculous. The guy's in prison. His, his future is wildly uncertain. He's awaiting trial before an unjust emperor who has been known to torch humans and, and dip them in tar and light them on fire and put them in his garden as decorations. You think we've got an uncertain future? And from that place, <laughs> he writes a letter and the primary theme of that letter is, man, I got some joy I want to tell you about and it's for you too. And I love it. It's just so real. It's, I mean, in his humanity, in a place of what would be so hard, if I'm imagining, so hard. To, where Do I have joy right now? Could I? Is that possible? So Paul is modeling that in Christ, to, in, when you know him like he wants you to know him, there will always be a source of joy. Paul picked or started this last week when he pretended that he was closing his letter, like all you know, good pastors pretend they're closing their sermon. <laughs> like, you know, a pastor's just getting started. Like, okay, one more thing, and I'm gonna close. Yeah, right. You're just getting excited. So Paul does it. Finally, my brothers and sisters, in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Rejoice in the Lord. And he's still talking about it, you know. He's almost doubled the size of the letter. And he's still talking about joy. But there's good reason. He starts this theme last week. And the way he even introduces it is so, so key to me. Rejoice in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, 
take joy in the Lord. And, and the, the way that this is constructed is he's talking about rejoice. This is a ongoing state of joy. And what I love about that is it's not this fleeting high and low emotionalism. That's different. And we would all like to have good emotions. Then that's fine. But we can also worship those moments, right? Where Paul's just talking about living in and from a state of perpetual joy. It's like, I want that one. I want it to be in me, on me, all around me. It just comes out of me. Not it's way out there and I just got to find it sometimes. So that's what in the phrase rejoice, <laughs> that's he's saying a lot. Be in this ongoing state of joy. And last week he really kind of talked about the big picture of how do we live in and from this place of joy in the Lord. So that's all of Philippians chapter 3. And to, to summarize it, we'll just real quick go back to Philippians 3, 8, where he says, everything is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. So for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage to gain Christ. There's the big picture secret to having joy. With intentionality, Paul has sought joy in the Lord by getting rid of, discarding anything else that he had confidence in before to say, I just want to know Jesus. And knowing Jesus, is the, <laughs> the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus compared to everything else, it's, everything else is, is like garbage compared to just knowing Jesus. Our souls are made to worship and we're all worshiping something. And Paul's saying, the secret to my joy in prison with no certain future is I have gotten to know Jesus in a way that now it's just flowing out of me. But he's not perfect. He hasn't arrived. And I want to highlight that once again last week because it's important. He said it in 312. I haven't already obtained all of this. I'm not already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. I press on. I continue to press on towards the prize. And that's what I want to highlight today when he gets into more of the specifics in an almost, it seems like, unintentional way. He's just talking wisdom. Wisdom from the front lines of the journey of joy. But what I want to highlight is joy is a journey. The joy that Paul's talking about where he can say rejoice in the Lord always, which includes any circumstance, which includes if you're in prison, which includes if, you're, if your future has no certainty by human standards. To have that joy, to live in and from that joy, it's a journey. And I think of a brother, Al that has passed away and since he is now with the Lord in full joy, but he was, when he passed, he was over 90 and he would come in here, he loved to come and he would just come early and just pray. And I remember his testimony one time, it's just like, 
It's that heroic superhero type, man, I want to be like you when I grow up. Where he would just, he shared with me one time. He's like, Casey, he's like, well, you know, 90 years old and, and just, just this incredible follower of Jesus. He'd walked with the Lord for like 60 years. And he shared with me one time, he's like, Casey, when I wake up in the morning, I have so much peace and joy, I feel a little bit guilty. <laughs> And it was, it was like, I, oh. I just loved it. it. It was like that kind of just reminds me of Paul. It is so real. But what I loved about it was Al's testimony as Paul's is, is like, well, what was your secret? He's just, just walking with the Lord for 60 years. It's a journey. I press on. I press on, I press on, Paul says. It's not gonna just you grab and you have it and never know it goes away. No, you press on. Like pretty much anything good in life, you press on, you press in. It's a journey. And so what I wanna look at today is as Paul last week kind of painted the big picture of, it's all about knowing Jesus. It's the only source of real joy that's lasting. Today in chapter four, I feel like reading it, it was like sitting around the campfire with someone who's old and wise. And, and as you hearing them, you're just like, oh, I want to write that down. Oh, I want to write that down. That's like a nugget of wisdom. That's a nugget of power. Oh, that's, that's, I, I need to learn from that. And that's kind of how I see chapter four. He's still in this broad theme of joy. I mean, he just said in 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then he goes on and almost seems a little random, to be honest with you, where he's like talking about a number of different things. But as I step back and look at him, it's to me, it's like in some ways you're drinking from the fire hose, you know, where it's like if you've ever been around those people like Al that I'm talking about, where it's like there's so much wisdom and stuff where you're like, whoa, slow down a little bit. Like, could you break that down for me? You know, like slow down. Could you put that in a three part, you know, to do list for me? And they're like, nah, I'm not going to because it's just relationship. <laughs> just grow in your relationship with Jesus. But I'm going to try to help us a little bit <laughs> from what Paul did. And, and, and just highlight a few things. This is like wisdom from the front lines of the journey of joy. So Paul, like my friend Al, was looking back, looking back on his life a bit, because I think Paul has a sense like this might not go well in the sense of uh, <laughs> Nero is not a real just guy, so I might be meeting Jesus soon. So he's looking back. He's passing on the wisdom to the churches that he's planted. And so let's look at a few aspects here of kind of the front lines of, of the journey of joy and wisdom from it. Or another way to say it is really, how do we learn to live and grow in this joy in the Lord? What are some wisdom from this journey of joy that Paul has walked and is now living from to where he can genuinely say, I rejoice always. So let's go verses four, four to seven. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there's a few nuggets of wisdom that I just want to pull out here. One, Paul talks about it right off the hand. It's, it's not hard to find. It's right there. Don't become accustomed to anxiety. The reason why I kind of like put it like that is, you know, Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. And if, in the way that kind of reads at first, you know, can be like unhelpful. You know, like if you're ever in those moments where somebody's really freaking out, you're just like, well, calm down, calm down. That's really helpful, isn't it? Right? Like, or if you've got a whole bunch of anxiety, freaking out, oh, just don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. I mean, it's in the Bible. Don't have anxiety. You're free to like... Oh, he gave me a second chance. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Maybe you can delete that other part, I guess. The Lord did not approve. Okay. Don't get accustomed to anxiety here. In the sense of like, don't let it become your friend. It's not normal. We don't want to make it our refuge. We don't want to just agree with it. Oh, it's just a part of my life. It's just across the bear. I'm just going to forever be anxious. I'm, I'm, I'm going to know that that's, a, that's an enemy. It's a foe to me living in the joy that Jesus has available. So I'm going to fight it. It's not going to be my friend. But it's not this simple like just, oh, you just turn it off. Paul's going to get into some of these kind of sub layers, if you will, to walk in joy and peace. And as you do that, you know, the anxiety that is your foe will flee. So let's uh, bring out these things. But before that, I always love the authenticity that we can see in Paul, where even though he says, don't be anxious, in this same letter, a few minutes prior, he had just admitted that he too gets anxious. Philippians 2.28, as he's talking about sending Epaphras to them for various reasons, he says this, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him and that I may be less anxious. You ever seen that before? The same guy who says, don't be anxious, like three paragraphs earlier says, I'm sending it because I'm a little anxious. There we go. The heroes are just real people. He's pressing on. I don't, I don't consider him a hypocrite. He's being real. And that's part of the beauty of chapter three, verse 12, where he says, not that I've attained this, but I continue to press on to make my own how Christ has already made me his own. So it's already mine in Christ. So all these things, not living in anxiety, living in joy, living in peace, I'm pressing on to make it my own because it's what Jesus already purchased for me on the cross. It's my inheritance in him. So he's not a hypocrite. He's authentic. So a few of these highlights here, moving on in, in this chapter four, some of these nuggets in everything by prayer. And supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So this is kind of the anti-anxiety 
biblical medication, if you will, that also ushers in peace and joy at the same time. It, in everything by prayer, and that phrase to me is just beautiful. You could just cut it out, put it on your wall, everything by prayer. Everything by prayer. Just so you know, everything by prayer. I mean, to ponder that reality. What are you doing today? Everything by prayer. How are you addressing this situation at work? It's kind of stressful. Everything by prayer. Man, you got a home situation that needs a little bit of Jesus. What are you doing? Everything by prayer. I mean, everything means everything. So Paul is wisdom from the front lines. Yeah, he gets a little anxious. He wants more peace. He wants more joy. He wants to walk in it. So what has he been learning in his 30 plus years of walking with Jesus? Everything by prayer. Does that mean you like, you know, live in your prayer closet? No, it means you breathe prayer. As he says in first Thessalonians 5:17, pray without ceasing. I used to hate that verse, honestly, because it scared me. I'm just, I'm serious, because I saw like a list in a prayer closet, like, ooh, that's wildly boring, and I'm an extrovert, like, I'll go crazy in there, you know, like, I know you're here, Jesus, but I want to talk to somebody. So that's not what that means. It just means everything by prayer. Are you alive? Breathe prayer. Prayer is meant to just be an ongoing conversation with God. Like there's never a time when, as we grow, again, that's a journey too. As we grow, it's just meant to be like, are you going to pray? Are you going to pray? And it's more like, well, when am I not praying? Or when did I stop praying? And that's not meant to be hyper-spiritual. Everything by prayer. Pray without ceasing. Meaning, as you grow by the Spirit of God in you, it's meant to be just this, this widening conduit of connection, you know? Or for the, you know, the 5G generation out there, you want to go from 3G to 4G to 5G. Not really, because that's bad for you, but in the Spirit, just continue that bandwidth of connection to where it's like, I'm always connected. It's not the question of when do you pray. The growing Reality is meant to be, no, I'm just always, I'm increasingly connected. That's attractive. He also goes on to say, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let it all be known to God. Let everything. So that's, that's that ongoing connection. But there's a piece in here that's massively important. With gratitude. That is so huge, if, especially because we're, if we're talking connection to God, ongoing conversation with God, ongoing conversation with God. Yeah, you bring all the supplications, you bring all your requests, but a massive part of that is gratitude is part of that posture. What does gratitude mean? It's from the word we talked about before, Latin gratia, meaning grace. Gratitude is a recognition of the undeserved goodness that is your life. The undeserved goodness that envelops you. 
the undeserved goodness, the grace of God that in him you live and move and have your being. You just walk in a little cloud of grace if you're a believer. Your whole life, is just he's covering you, he's enveloped you with grace, undeserved goodness, everything good in life, as James 1 says, everything good in life is a gift from God. If you're a Christian, you believe that. <laughs> so recognizing that in prayer, in your constant conversation with God, you're full of gratitude. That does take practice. It does. And it's good to practice that. There's lots of places. I mean, here, it's practice. Make it your mindset where you're looking for the grace of God in everything. At the, at, at the beginning, you're probably going to have to look for it. Look for the grace of God. See the grace of God. See what James 1 says, that every good thing you have in life is a gift from your Father of heavenly lights. It's all there. Sometimes we just don't see it. We're swimming in grace. We're enveloped in grace. And so Paul's reminding us, this is wisdom from the front lines. As you talk to God all day long, learn to come from that posture of thanksgiving, gratitude, where you're just all day long in the little things to the massive things that we bring to him. It's a posture of gratitude. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for this this morning. I woke up with this and thank you. I woke up with this and thank you. At my noontime, thank you. Lord, you provided in this, thank you. At nighttime, thank you. Before I go to bed, thank you. And it's a posture that just becomes our normal. That we're connected throughout the day and the, the deep heart posture of it is gratitude. And that's really, really right there, close to what all day long? Worship. It's right there. We'll get there in a second, though. Oh, we're there. <laughs> Philippians 4.8. So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And I love the literal translation of this. Think about these things. It literally means fix your mind to live there. Fix your mind to dwell there. Let your mind camp, dwell, live. It's the tabernacle picture. Where are you choosing and training and allowing your mind to set up camp and just live? So the wisdom from the front lines is Paul's quite simply saying, train your brain to dwell on the good. The headlines of your mind will dictate the fruit in your life. I know you got to think about it for a minute, but it's true and it's good. The headlines of your mind will dictate what comes out. So Paul is saying, choose to fix your mind on all the good things. That's the antidote to so many of the stuff, the junk that he wants to get rid of. He doesn't want to live in anxiety, despair, hopelessness, fear. So he says, so let's learn, let's train our minds. This is his wisdom from the front lines. Let's train our minds to just dwell on all the good stuff. That if we want to learn to walk in joy, we have to make the choice to focus on things that are going to bring us joy. I mean, that's like a revelation. Shouldn't be, but it is. Why am I 
not full of joy. Why am I so full of anxiety, despair, fear? What are the headlines in your mind? And where are you getting those headlines? If we want to walk in joy, Paul's saying we've got to make the choice to focus on the things that are going to bring us joy, namely things that are praiseworthy. And this is where thanksgiving and gratitude roll so well into and fix your minds on everything that's praiseworthy. So the wisdom is lining up here. So connect yourself to God increasingly throughout the day. Just practice it. Practice that ongoing prayer. Make sure it's filled with gratitude where you've got this grace-filled perspective on your life, finding all these things to be grateful for, thankful for, and that moves right into dwelling on good things that are praise worthy and you, can you see the connection and the flow and if you build that on a journey you're going to be building joy into your life i love how he finishes there whatever is praiseworthy think about these things dwell on them praise worthy literally means in the greek worthy of praise that was kind of a joke, <laughs> but it's to make a point in that if it's not worthy of your worship, Paul's saying, don't let your mind dwell on it. If it's not helping connect you to God, if it's not worthy of worship, don't let it dwell in your mind very long. That's part of what are we letting our minds dwell on? I mean, I love this kind of passage and others. This gives us responsibility. It says, train your minds to be like mental ninjas. If it's not praiseworthy, train your mind to not let it dwell there. I mean, sometimes that's just the world we live in where there's an onslaught or we're confronted with, or sometimes by accident, things that are not praiseworthy come into our eyes and be in our mind. And Paul's just saying, train yourself. If it's not worthy of praise, if it's not praise worthy, don't let it stay there. Amen. Train your mind to focus upon, to think upon, to dwell on everything that's good and praiseworthy. Train your brain to reign. Great question for us. What are we training our minds to dwell on? If it's not worthy of worship, pointing us to worship, Paul's saying, if you want to grow in joy, get rid of it. And the last, second to last thing, <laughs> Paul says in 4.9 going on, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in Jesus, nope, in me, he says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So there's this very interesting and cool dynamic of scripture. Paul is being both vulnerable and confident in these chapters. I mean, he's vulnerable in the sense of saying, hey, I, I, I'm not there yet. I'm on a journey. I'm pressing on. 
but he's also confident, very confident in saying, but I know I've found the treasure. And I know I've tasted a joy that makes everything else like rubbish. And I want this for you too. So he, he says, so I'm trying to live it out. I'm trying to model it for you. If you've seen it and listen to all these things, what you've learned and received and, and heard and seen, practice these things. And that just affirms this picture of it's a journey. There is a journey of joy. Just like Paul is saying, I've been practicing these things for a long time and it's bore really good fruit. Because if you don't remember, I'm in prison and my future is very uncertain, but I've got a lot of joy. I want you to practice these things. That's language for, so keep going on this journey. Learn from this wisdom and practice it. Live it out. It's not overnight. Joy in the Lord is a journey. And he paints this picture of, so in our lives, who, who are we looking up to? As examples, we are going to become like the examples that we surround ourselves with, the stories we surround ourselves with, the, the messaging that we surround ourselves with. Are we looking up to people that have joy in Christ in the midst of trials? That's a person worthy of looking up to, like, a, like an owl. You know, who says, man, I wake up in the morning, I've got so much peace and joy, I don't even know what to do with it. Well, you could share a little. <laughs> Will you pray for it? Are you looking up to those people, those sources, those messages of people that are showing you what it's like to encounter the joy in knowing Jesus that makes everything else look like garbage? And who's looking up to you? Are you becoming a person of which others will say, man, like Al, I got to get around that guy. What's his secret? That guy's got joy in trials. That guy has got genuine joy. I mean, Al, back to his example, simple man. Didn't have much by the world standards. I mean, as he, as he passed away, he lived in a, a little apartment with his beloved wife. From, from the world standards, like, no, he's, you know, he doesn't have a lot of title, doesn't have a lot of riches, doesn't have a lot of, you know, position and glory. <laughs> but he's got something that the vast majority of people have no idea about. To wake up every morning and feel guilty because you got so much peace and joy in knowing Jesus. That's yeah, that's riches. That is riches. Exactly. That is riches. And so that's a challenge for us. Are we becoming those kind of people that others look up to? Be like, wow, that's riches. I want to learn from them. And lastly, truly, Paul shares a little secret at the end here. In verses 12 and 13, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret. This is an old wise man sharing secrets. It's good to listen. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 
in some ways, Paul finishes the letter with this, and this is the summary of it all. Whether he's been, whether he's high or brought low, whether he has all the position and title and prestige and power which he's had in his life, or whether he's had none of it, or whether it even comes to the physical circumstance where he's got plenty of material wealth, or he's literally hungry. So these are the wide spectrums of life, and Paul's saying there is a secret to success in all of it. Just be dependent on God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The simple word for that is dependence. Dependence on God, whether you're high or low, whether you have abundance or need, it's all about just dependence on God. Just deep in that heart. Like Jesus himself said it. Apart from the Father, I can do nothing. So if he's living, if Jesus himself is modeling for us the fullness of humanity, and Paul's picking that up, it's this childlike dependence. I can do nothing without you, God. Every day I wake up, I want to connect with you. I want to open that line of communication. In fact, I don't even want it to stop. Be in my dreams, Lord. I just want to keep that connection going. And by the power of your spirit, I want to be reminded of you and grow throughout the day in that connection with you. And I want it to be filled with gratitude. And I want to think about those good things. And I want you to help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Fix my mind. Train my mind on only what that is praiseworthy. So that I am increasing in this journey of joy in knowing you, Jesus. Man, I'm dependent on you, God. And that's a good place to be because it is where God gets all the glory. You can get the joy, he'll take the glory. And he's good with that. Let's pray.